We're going to be in lesson number 10 of consistent character. And I think, I think we're going to wrap up consistent character this morning. So um, let's, if you would, I think we'll spend more time at this beginning section in Ephesians chapter 2. So um, if you want to, if you want to turn there, that would probably be a place that will be longer than anything else this morning. But we want to begin by sort of reminding ourselves about our definition of character, um, because as we begin any sort of review, which is basically what this will be, a review of, of the previous nine weeks of consistent Christian character, when we want to do a review, we want to make sure we remind ourselves about the, the definition that we have. And uh, before I get started this morning, let's, uh, let's pray if we could. Father, thank you for our time together this morning. We have um, many opportunities as a ministry this morning and as people. And uh, we want to go about your will for us with character and following you, having faith in you, trusting you throughout our uh, morning and throughout our day. We have uh, watch care groups tonight, so it will be, will be spread out a little bit tonight, and we'll need character during those times. And we have uh, other challenges that will meet us on Monday morning that we'll need character for. And so as we just wrap up this lesson, this study on Christian character, Ask that you'd help us, remind us, bring things to mind when we uh, we need to call upon these aspects of character in our own lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. Consistent Christian character. Well, we wanted to define character to really start things, and and um, it was a really uh, I did something really spiritual and really. Um, uh, studious and intelligent right at the beginning, which is I Googled. I Googled it. And actually, I came up with something that, that was, has been pretty good that we've used for the basis of this. And it's a site that I hadn't really used before, but that I knew existed called Got Questions. And doesn't even tell you who wrote this wrap up, but I think it's a, I think it's a good one. And it quotes uh, A.W. Tozer, among other people, in the whole um, section about character. It quotes a lot of other people that you might recognize. But this is what the definition says. It says, character is defined as strength of moral fiber. A.W. Tozer described character as the excellence of moral beings, as the excellence of gold is its purity and the excellence of art is its beauty, so the excellence of man is his character. And like I said, I don't know who wrote this, but that's pretty good. That's a pretty good thought. Persons of character are noted for their honesty, ethics, and charity. Descriptions of, or descriptions such as, a man of principle or a woman of integrity are assertions of character. A lack of character is a moral deficiency. Persons lacking character tend to behave dishonestly, unethically, 
or uncharitably. Person's character is the sum of his or her disposition, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions. It's good to remember that character is gauged by general tendencies and not on the basis of a few isolated actions. We must look at the whole life. Now, I didn't uh, print it out or didn't even, um, I haven't talked about it um, in this class at all, but this particular article about character goes on to describe um, some of the heroes that we look to of the Christian faith and goes on to point out some of the isolated incidents in their life that if you were to use those as a gauge for their character overall, it would be a failure to do so because of what God says about those people uh, in, in the scripture. So it, uh, it goes on to really make the point strongly that character is this whole life perspective. And we need that. We need that because um, we're all going to have uh, incidents in our life that can be highlighted for our lack of character. Well, let's put it this way. At least I have some of those. I'm not sure about you. We don't see any about one man that we talked about, Joseph. We haven't seen any real highlighted um, deficiencies in his character, but for most of us, and for most of those people that we read about in Scripture, we do have some highlighted point about a time when they were lacking character. And so if a person's character is the sum of his or her disposition, thoughts, intentions, desires, and actions, and we are indeed talking about the whole life, then this is a pretty important study. And so we, we began where we ought to begin in a life that is attempting to glorify God, that is attempting to please God. We started with faith and with salvation and with coming to the understanding that without faith in Christ, without salvation, without transformation, we can't even begin on any sort of journey towards Christian character. So we began by affirming also that Christianity required a devotion to good works, but never out of the context of that idea of faith in Christ alone. In essence, a devotion to the development of character traits that would allow us to maintain good works. We read Titus 3.8 right at the beginning, really. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly, that they which believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. And we've seen that as God's servants in the stories that we've read have been careful to maintain or they've devoted themselves to good works, that it has been good and profitable. And not good and profitable in the sense that uh, everything that occurred in their lives was good and everything appeared to be profitable at the beginning, but in the long run, 
with the long view in mind, things were good and profitable. So we devote ourselves to good works, not for the purpose ever of gaining favor with God or ever of just obtaining those things which are good and profitable, but for the purpose of pleasing God out of lots of things, but a couple of them, gratitude and a genuine desire to serve him. Of course, we spent a lot of time on that. Really, it was three whole lessons about that idea to begin this study of Christian character. We have this desire we found in Ephesians 2, which I ask you to turn to. We have this desire because we've been radically changed. And having been dead, we're now made alive by Christ. This has got to be the starting point, doesn't it? This has to be the starting point. For if somebody were to enter this class partway through, and we began to talk about how you were to have honesty and integrity, and you were to do the right things, and you were to work hard and be diligent, and you were to uh, help people, and you were to be kind to others, and you were to be uh, uh, steadfast, you were to be merciful, you were to have grace-filled life. If we were to begin to talk about all those things, it might be possible for someone to enter into a discussion such as that one and say, ah, yes, if I try that, if I attempt to live that way, then I'll be okay. So we took great pains to say that that's not the case. We took great pains to say that we behave in these ways because we've been changed. That's what Ephesians 2 verses 1 through 10 say. They say, and you hath he quickened who are dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we had our conversation it's our manner of life in times past. In the lusts of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You could even stop at this point and say, oh, uh, that means I need to not be like that. But you might have forgot the first three words, which are, and you had, the first four words, and you hath he quickened. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together or made us alive together with Christ. And then it says the word that we've been studying a lot here in the last several weeks, by grace ye are saved. And he hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heaven. I like that word together. We didn't talk about it. I thought maybe it should be the focus of one particular um, lesson, but we didn't talk a lot about it. But the, the, one of the great things about the Christian life that God has given us is other believers that we can lean on and rely upon. You'll notice that this is an important thing whenever you talk to someone, uh, uh, an individual or a missionary who's gone to another part of the world and is trying to minister to people, and they'll say, what do you miss most about being back home where you came from? And they'll say, the body of believers who were able to encourage me and to help me along my way. And now we're isolated and we're on our own. 
how often missionaries will say that, especially if they're in a hard place where there's not too many other mature Christians, but they're doing all the teaching to try to help others to have the character traits that they need to get to the point where they can um, be also on the same path that these missionaries are on. But that's what it says. He's quickened us together with Christ. He's made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. Now we've seen his kindness. We've seen the riches of his grace at salvation. We've seen his kindness. We've seen the riches of his grace in our day-to-day living, but there's more to come. There's more to come. There's an eternity to come for those who know him. For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. No matter how well you've developed your character, you don't come to God without faith. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. By being devoted in this way, by walking in this way, in faith, we are being who he created us to be. God has created us to have consistent Christian character. And we have all we need to have consistent Christian character. As our relationship with Christ continues to alter our character and our behavior as we go along, There are also dangers, though. And we talked about one of the key dangers, and that is that we would fail to maintain perspective, meaning we would not step back far enough to see our lives in context and to make some decisions based on seeing our lives in context. And so we spent a whole lesson on perspective on stepping back and seeing our lives in context. And the really, the uh, I think the, the illustration, the story at least, that I used throughout that particular lesson was the story of my dad and being able to look back at his life after he went to be with Christ. To be able to look back and to say, oh, I see this in context. 2 Corinthians 4, 5 through 7 um, says this, because we we talked about here in this this last passage, um, good works and how we ought to maintain a pattern of good works. But it says here in verse 5, we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. So we have Christ empowering us, Christ who has transformed us, Christ who has made us alive from the dead, and we also, we also preach Christ. And it says, ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. So even the things we do for others, we do for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. See how it gives you perspective to step back. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. 
I, I don't know what the biggest danger for your character is, but it may be gaining perspective. It may be that there are moments when you have to step back and put it all in context and say, I've been quickened by Christ. I'm preaching not myself, but Christ Jesus. I'm a servant to others for Jesus' sake. It's because the light shined out of the darkness and shined into my dark heart. And I'm just an earthen vessel. And I have to remember this to remind myself and perhaps others sometimes that the excellency may be of him and not of me. So we spoke extensively about Christ's light being seen through us as our job is to reflect him in the world. It said it here. Knowing that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us, we are a reflector. And then it was at this point in our study that we began to provide some biblical models of character. And we observed those who were just mere earthen vessels like we are. I think that we forget that sometimes. We read of stories in the Bible and they're uh, almost idealized to us to a point that we think, oh, well, of, of course this person in the Bible did that. But, and there is no but, they were earthen vessels just like we are, and yet they walked by faith, and they met big challenges. Perhaps a young man like David, who was a shepherd, who was just doing what he'd been told to do, and who was delivering at the point that he came to the story that we read, he was just delivering some bread and some cheese. And while he was doing that task that was mundane, but that it was his responsibility, he was confronted by a challenge. A challenge that at that time was causing the fighting men of his country to be sore afraid. I want you to think about that for a second, only because I didn't mention it at the time although I thought about it. Have you ever thought about the U.S. Marine Corps? And uh, you confront, you come upon a large group of Marines and you think to yourself, well, there's something bad happening. I know these Marines are tough. These Marines have courage. These Marines are brave. I know they will confront this. and you find them sore, afraid, just imagine that for a minute. That seems absurd. You can't even think of that. It seems crazy. And that's where we find David. But, but we find David along his way. Seems when a big challenge comes, we always just find it coming in the mundane. As he's literally... It's probably inconveniencing his workflow because he 
has to find a keeper of the sheep for a period of time while he makes a delivery for dad. He comes upon the, the best and the brightest of the military men in Israel, and they're sore afraid, and here he is standing there. In the character development process of David, we had him meeting a few other smaller challenges along the way. It's hard to think of a bear and a lion being confronted by either one of those as a small challenge. And yet he seemed to think of them that way when he came to this confrontation with Goliath. And he was ready, God was preparing him at that time to meet the bigger challenges. So when the time came to prove that he had the character to carry out the good works that God had ordained for him at that time, this is what he said in 1 Samuel 17, verse 45 and 46. Then said David to the Philistine, thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day seems to me that David, by the way, was having plenty of perspective here because he said, this day will the Lord deliver me into thine hand. And I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcass of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. He seemed to step back and gain that perspective we've talked about. And he gained enough perspective to see who he was and who God was and what God could do. That was all in the course of his character building process. Now, if you read about David in many other instances beyond this point, you will see flaws in character. And if we were to have an accurate story of your life and we were to read of the, the great victories you've had, no doubt there's been some, we will also read of the character flaws. We're looking at the whole life. We read of, of Joseph. Think about a, a sermon that we have on the radio from Dr. Olala, who talks about Joseph being from a dysfunctional family. It's a pretty big understatement. He was from a dysfunctional family. As at this point, he was, uh, at the point that we read in his story, he had been sold into slavery by his brothers. Sounds like a dysfunctional family. Not only that, we, uh, we uh, know that he was loved to a greater degree, degree by his father than his father loved his brothers. Because of this, they hated him. And yet he's blessed of the Lord when he goes into slavery. And he's walking in obedience to the Lord. We live in a, a modern era where we, we give ourselves 
many, many, many excuses. We do it of our own accord. And we, uh, in essence, blame God, maybe even make the accusation that God is not good because of the situation we're in. This is not at all where we find Joseph. We find Joseph, instead of blaming the Lord, instead of believing that God is not good because he's in the situation that he is in, we see him obeying the Lord. We see him walking with the Lord and we see him being blessed. And so he was met in private challenge, a challenge that at the time we said could be considered just as big as Goliath. Sometimes the private challenge seems more overwhelming than something that confronts us in public. And that's the kind of challenge that he faced. And the, uh, the response was different. <laughs> the action was different. Here's, here's what I mean. Uh, David ran to the battle. Joseph fled. Both were God's will. A lot of times God has different, different actions for us to take based on the circumstance. And a victory came in fleeing for Joseph, while a victory came for David in running to the battle. So that's interesting. It's in perfect accordance with God's will. But he saw the entire situation, I think we made note of several times, with the clarity only a person of character could have. When he said in Genesis 39, 7 through 9, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me. Here's what he said after he refused. Behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house. Or he doesn't keep track of everything that happens in the house. And he hath committed all he hath into my hand. I have responsibilities that I have been given. And I have to be faithful in those responsibilities. There is none greater in the house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee, because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And there's a clarity with which he sees and the perspective with which he sees that... I would say, needs to concern us if we're not seeing with that amount of clarity. Um, now, it's a day-to-day -day battle. Something happened not too long ago where I was looking at something and I was not able to see it with clarity. <laughs> and I was recognizing this. Um, and I was thinking, why can't I, why can't I come to an understanding about this? And finally, I said, I'm going to go ask somebody about it. And I went to someone, and they, they cleared it up for me. And I thought, I needed that. <laughs> I was not able to clear that up on my own. They were able to see it with clarity where I wasn't. And there's probably lots of reasons for that. It's because I had a lot of feelings about this particular thing. <laughs> 
I had a lot of opinions about it. I had a, uh, there was a lot of emotion wrapped up in it. And I got to tell you, I was unable to see. And, and left to me, I would have made a bad decision. I don't know how I saw it clear enough to go ask someone. It's just I thought that's what God would want me to do at that point. But they cleared it up for me. And then I said, aha, now I see. But here's what I would tell you. There's a certain clarity with which we need to see these private challenges. They come to us in times where we're vulnerable. And we do have emotions. We do have feelings. We do have things that are uh, behind the scenes that cause us to lose our clarity. Thankfully, we're together in the battle many times. Maybe we don't have time to go to someone else like I had time before making a decision. We must go to God. We must go to God. So she persisted, and the Bible says he got him out. Job had the character to maintain his integrity when life fell apart. We read about him. He was a man that feared God. He avoided evil. God saw, God recognized, God was clear about his faithfulness. Even to the point that he allowed Satan to afflict him. And he just simply said to Satan that this isn't going to work. Because God knows. And yet I think if I would have read of the situation that happened to Job, and I would have read of all the things that occurred, I think I would have said, well, I don't, he may have a lot of character. He may have a lot of integrity. But this, this is going to get him. This is going to get him. This is going to be tough. He's going to lose everything. I, I was listening to... Um, uh, something on the radio this past week, um, Wisdom for the Heart. He was talking about Job. And he said that uh, he did some calculations about how long it took for the, it said that the, uh, the messengers came to Job and they told him all these things and then it's as though they stumbled over each other. They all came in at the same time. Boom, 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 one after another. He said he measured out how, about how long it took for all that to be related to Job by these messengers that came in. And he said, Job's entire life was destroyed in just 37 seconds. Just took 37 seconds for that measure, that, that message to be delivered to Job. And everything p- fell apart, 37 seconds. Now, that was a, there's more parts to that after where he begins to experience things himself but the external things that came upon him just happened that quickly. And life indeed fell apart for him. And he needed character at that point. And God had supplied him with what he needed. Because in verse 20 and 21, at the end of that horrendous episode, 
Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshiped. And he said, naked came I out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. As we continued in our study, we realized that based on what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, there are things in our lives that need to go on that are behind the scenes, that are just between us and between him. And as I began to think about the, um, the character of David and what do we know about David, the character of Joseph and what we know about Joseph, the character of Job and what we know about Job, it seems to me there were things going on behind the scenes between them and between God. We know that, for instance, in David's case, because when God declares that David is a man after his own heart, we see that we, we see and we understand that there was a relationship that he had with God that was not something that was particularly public. As I began to read through Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, I began to think about these things that Jesus says we need to do in secret, behind the scenes. And I also began to think about those that I know who have character and how I can just tell by seeing their life that there's a lot going on behind the scenes. And he commanded earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter 5, for our light to shine, the light that we're reflecting from him in the world. But he also said, avoid the hypocritical in any religious activity. Matthew 6, 5, he said, when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogue in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enterest into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. And our word for that day was authentic. And we talked about authenticity, not false, but genuine and real. Having an origin supported by unquestionable evidence, authenticated, verified, representing one's true nature or beliefs, true to oneself or the person identified, entitled to acceptance or belief because of agreement with known facts or experience, reliable, trustworthy. None of that happens in public. That is all built behind the scenes in places like prayer closets. And this is the kind of character we must have, the authentic kind. We made a biblical case also spending some time in Hebrews 11, a biblical case for models of character. And of course, we had already gone through a number of models of character at that point. 
But when you read through Hebrews chapter 11, and it takes those who are who had faith and were faithful through the years of all the history of the scriptures, particularly the history of Israel, and it, it, uh, it gives you their life, and it says, use this life as an example to you in your life. We understand that this is, the scripture is, is recommending to us examples. And we look to the New Testament because um, 1 Timothy describes those who in our New Testament church ought to be the examples for us. And those are our pastors, bishops, elders, leaders, shepherds, all those words you could describe them with. It says a bishop must be blameless, the husband of one wife. This is 1 Timothy 3. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, not, uh, not greedy, not uh, having an inordinate affection toward money, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice. Lest he be lifting up in pride, he fall into condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be of a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. We just had two things in that list that were specific to bishops, elders, pastors, shepherds. And that was apt to teach and not a novice. Otherwise, the rest of those things are recommended, commanded, expected of other believers. And this is why when we think about the, the whole package of qualifications for a pastor, we're talking about a person who has model character. D.A. Carson had this quote during the course of that lesson. The criteria mentioned are demanded of all Christians everywhere, which is another way of say, saying pastors are first of all to be exemplars of the Christian graces that are presupposed as mandated for all Christians. And then last week we took some time. We looked at some modern application for our character as we focused on our families, our work, our communication, our commitments. All of these areas of life are going to require the kind of character. It may not seem as though they require the kind of character that David had or that Joseph had or that Job had. And yet it's exactly that kind of character that's going to be required of us. Our challenges may be different, but we don't know what our challenges are going to be. The world is a very, this is not the right way to say it, but it's an unexpected place 
The unex- it's an unpredictable place. The unexpected is always occurring. And we don't know what the future holds. And we don't know if one day we might be just delivering bread and cheese. Something that simple. And a challenge comes. And it's at that moment. We don't have time to develop character at that moment. It's too late. But in that lesson, I told you, God can do what he wants to those people. And sometimes he delivers us through things that our character cannot sustain. That's because he's merciful. That's because he does the work. It's because he's powerful. But let's not leave it to that. Let's have the character to when the challenges come to meet those challenges. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. We, uh, we got an opportunity to review. It's a little repetitive this morning. And yet, um, you repeat to us so many times how we must walk with you, how we must be your disciples, how we must be obedient how uh, the challenges are going to come. Thankfully, you have all the strength to overcome in those challenges, and you grant it to us. And uh, we're thankful for that. Help us to, to be together, as it said in those passages, to be together in this uh, pursuit for godly Christian character, because we're going to need each other when we can't see clearly Sometimes one of our brothers or one of our sisters can. And sometimes when we don't have the character of somebody else that we know will, and they can guide us and help us. So help us to rely on one another, but most of all, rely on you. In Jesus' name, amen.